0: Baptist Church, we're so glad to have you in the house of the Lord this morning to be a part of our worship service where we can worship our great God and Savior for all he has done. Amen? Thank you for being here with us. If you are a guest, we especially welcome you and ask you to tear out that guest tab that's in your bulletin, fill it out, and place in the offering plate when it comes around so that we can get in contact with you and uh, tell you how you can become a part of our fellowship here at Mechanicsville Baptist Church. Just a couple of announcements uh, this morning. Uh, You can find those on the back of your bulletin. Uh, Those of you who are in youth council, this is not in there, but just want to make the announcement that uh, to remind you that we do have a youth council meeting at 5 o'clock today. And uh, immediately following youth council, we will have youth from 6 eight. Uh, Women on mission, you meet at 1030 on Tuesday, and worship team and personnel team will both meet at 630 on Tuesday night. Uh, Wednesday morning prayer meeting will continue, but just want to remind you that Wednesday night activities start up again this Wednesday, September 14th. Uh, We have Bible study and prayer at 615. Youth, we resume our School schedule and we will go from six fifteen till seven thirty on Wednesday nights. Uh, preschool choir and school age children activities will also begin this Wednesday night at six fifteen, and uh, Mission Friends at seven, and Adult Choir at seven as well. And if you have young children or if you are a grandparent and have young grandchildren, we invite you to bring them out uh, this Wednesday night. Uh, we have a great children's program here and uh, we would love for your children to be a part of what God is doing here so that God can equally work in their lives in an extraordinary way. Uh, This Wednesday also for prayer meeting in the morning and in the evening, Jay Rains, who is living in the Alpha House right now, uh, he is a missionary. He will be here to present uh, prayer meeting for us that Wednesday. Well, we're glad to have you here with us today. Let's Go to the Lord as we prepare for worship this morning. As we go to the Lord in prayer this morning, uh, I read in my devotions this morning from Psalm 62, one of my favorite psalms, and Psalm 62, verse 8, says this, Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Maybe you are here today, and you are at your wit's end with life and you don't know where to turn, you don't know where to go, you have no idea what God is doing, let me tell you, dear friend, we worship a God that we can trust and we worship a God who is a refuge for us, a God that we can pour our hearts out to any time. And that is the greatest truth and the greatest blessing that we can know. And we invite you just to pour out your heart to God today as we go to him in prayer together. Father, we are so thankful that you are a God that we can trust, a God who loves us, a God who is a refuge for us, and a God that we can pour our hearts out to even when life may seem impossible. Thank you for just every truth that is in your word that points To who you are. And I pray God that you would reveal yourself. Maybe to that person who is questioning you this morning. Or maybe who doesn't know where to go. Where to turn in life. May you reveal yourself to them in an unbelievable way. May the message of the songs. May the message of the sermon touch their hearts. May they be drawn closer to you. Bless our time, Lord, today. May we lift up the name of Jesus in all we do, and may we leave here trusting you at all times and proclaiming your good news to others. We love you, for it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.
1: My lips shall rejoice when I sing unto thee a verse from Psalms. And I want us to stand and lift our voices in a great way this morning as we praise God and sing hymn number seven, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee.
2: We shall never forget that the world always remember that fateful day in September and the one who answered duty's call should be remembered by us all who left the comfort of their home to face perils as yet unknown, an embodiment of goodness on a day when men's hearts had gone astray. Sons and daughters like me and you who never questioned what they had to do who by example were a source of hope and strength to others who could not cope. Heroes that would not turn their back with determination that would not crack, who bound together in their ranks and asking not a word of thanks. Men who bravely gave their lives, whose orphaned kids and widowed wives can proudly look back on their dad who gave this country all they had. Actions taken without regret, heroisms we shall never forget, The ones who paid the ultimate price, let's never forget their sacrifice. And never forget the ones no longer here who fought for the freedoms we all hold dear. And may their memory never wane, lest their sacrifices be in vain. On September 11, uh, after that uh, fateful day, uh, the disaster relief efforts in Virginia were called out and several of our people, Uh, responded to the call, and uh, went to New York to prepare meals to be served through the Red Cross. If you were part of any of those teams, will you stand at this time and be recognized so that we can see you? We thank you for your service. And then would everyone stand for a moment of silence, and then I will have our pastoral prayer as we... Remember, O oh Lord, we come to you this morning recognizing your sovereignty over this world. Realizing, though, Father, we live in a fallen creation of our own doing. We know, Father, that there is evil all around. We also know, Father, that you have a plan and a purpose for each of our lives. We pray for peace for those, Father, who lost so much on that day so long ago. We pray for peace for those, Father, who went to assist and found themselves scarred in many ways emotionally for life. We pray for peace for the children who lost fathers and mothers. We pray, Father, that in some way we could find solace in you. We pray, Father, for peace in a world that is troubled, confused. A world that means harm to so many. And yet, in the midst of the struggle, we know that you are there. We're thankful today, Father, for those first responders who are willing to go for firefighters and police officers and for all of those, Father, who go at a moment's notice into situations, Father, where help is needed. We pray for their safety. We pray for the anxiety that their families face. We pray, Father, for that peace that comes through you. We are grateful on this day that as we stand in this house. That we do so because you have shown us that in the midst of all of our losses. There is hope. For hope does not rest in this world but of the Redeemer who redeems this world. That is Jesus Christ. And for him we give thanks. May we Father. Find our answers in Him. Bless each of us, Father, as we walk each day with the assurance that You go with us now and in the future. Help us, Father, to be beacons of light for the name of Christ in this community. Help us, Father, to Change the lives of those around us with our testimony and our witness before them. Give to us wisdom. We pray for courage. We are grateful for each day that you give us to serve you. For we make this prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may, be seated.
1: you may remain seated as we sing together words of assurance that we find in hymn number 74, O oh God, our help in ages past. to receive our offering.
3: I was uh, thinking this week about something that would be appropriate for today, and the most I could think of was love uh, that was shown after what had happened to our country, and uh, this comes from Romans 12, chapter 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fever. uh, Serve the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patience, and affection. Faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need practice hospitality Uh, would you all stand and to honor uh, what is going on today let's say a pledge allegiance to the flag I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands one nation under God indivisible with liberty and justice for all let us pray Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for allowing us to live in a country where we can come and practice our religion and worship you. There are so many around the world that are persecuted. Uh, Please be with our missionaries who are spreading your word uh, and also be with those in our country who are doing the same. Lord, be with those today who have lost loved ones, who know someone that has been affected by this personally, and I think we've all been affected by it. Uh, Bless these tithes and offerings to further your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.
4: Letting go of every single dream I lay each one down at your feet Every moment of my wandering Never changes what you see I've tried to win this war, I confess My hands are weary, I need your rest, mighty warrior, king of the fight, no matter what I face, you're by my side. What tomorrow brings, there's not a day ahead you have not seen, so in all things be my life and breath, I want what you want Lord and not thee.
1: trust in you, I will trust in you,
4: you are my strength and comfort, you are my steady hand, you are my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand, your ways are always higher, your plans are always higher, where I'll go. You've not already stood. When you don't move the mountains, I'm needing you to move. When you don't part the waters, I wish I could walk through. When you don't give me answers as I cry out to you, I will trust, I will
1: trust, I will trust in you. Trusting
2: Flyer in your bulletin related to the Alma Hunt state missions offering. And I call that to your attention because some of the infrastructure that is used in times of disaster uh, is paid for or has been paid for in the past out of that offering. And um, I wanted to make you aware of that. And uh, there is information in there related to the uh, ministries and so forth that are related to that. But that is strictly a state missions offering. And it goes for things in the state and infrastructure for things like disaster relief and so forth. So just wanted to uh, call that to your attention uh, this morning. Our scripture is found this morning in Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 2 and chapter 2 verse 1. So don't get confused, okay? Uh, We're not going to read all that scripture as it was listed in the bulletin. My intent was to do it this way and then fill in the gaps. Uh, So we will start with verse 2 of chapter 1 and then verse 1 of chapter 2. O Lord, how long shall I cry and you will not hear? Even cry out to you violence and you will not save. And then verse 1 of chapter 2. I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. Most of you know that Corrie Ten Boom was a Dutch woman who spent months in prison and in the Ravensbrook concentration camp for hiding Jews during World War II. Those awful days in prison were a strain on her faith in God. Once, while in solitary confinement, she prayed, God, how much longer do I have to take this? If you're alive, if you really care, will you please show me a sign that you are alive and that you hear my prayers? That night, Corey laid down on her cot, feeling abandoned and all alone. She fell asleep crying and wondering why God would not answer her prayers. When Corey woke up the next morning, a beam of sunlight was shining down through a crack in the ceiling on a few blades of grass. To her, it was a sign. A sign in the middle of a concrete cell. She said later, I knew without any doubt that God was alive and that his light would shine again in my life in a beautiful, wonderful way. That morning, Corey's faith in God and her commitment to God's guiding providence in her life were renewed by a ray of sunshine and a few blades of grass. Most of the Old Testament prophets said, Thus says the Lord with certainty. However, Habakkuk, like Jeremiah, dared to ask why in regard to some phases of the Lord's work. Habakkuk preached shortly, before Nebuchadnezzar first invaded Judah in 605 B.C. His name means embracer, which scholars suggest spoke symbolically of his wrestling with God with this question, or of his understanding of his fellow citizens' increasing sinfulness. Also, he had a high concept of the ideal life, including work, enjoyment of fellowship with the Lord, and industry based on equity and justice. One scholar says Habakkuk had a keen insight into the wickedness of his people and a thorough conviction of the only possible cure, faith in the promised Redeemer. The book of Habakkuk falls into three natural divisions. Chapter 1 presents Habakkuk's problem. Chapter 2 gives God's answer. Chapter 3 expresses the prophet's praise. It is one of the most superb poems in its concept of God and beauty of language to be found in the Old Testament. But the premise that we start with in this story, in this prophecy, lies in the first understanding that we must have about our questioning God. I know that somewhere in your life you have heard someone say, and you may have said it yourself, I know you're not supposed to question God, but... The Scripture is very clear. There are times when God has been questioned. But what we must understand is when we ask God questions, when we question God, we must be ready for the response. Because the response might not always be the response that we want. Many times when questions are asked, we just want affirmation, confirmation of what we already think we know. But God doesn't work that way. God made it very clear to Habakkuk that he could ask the question, but be prepared for the answer. First, we see in the first chapter of Habakkuk, the prophet's problem. The first chapter is dialogue between Habakkuk and the Lord. The prophet raises a timely problem. The prophecy opens with the prophet's complaint, which may have been delivered during the early reign of Jehoiakim. God had done nothing to punish the wickedness in Judah, if indeed the problem is internal and it had been going on for so long, Habakkuk considers such toleration of evil to be inconsistent with his own understanding of the nature of God and his purpose for the nation. He cries out in consternation. Habakkuk cried for help in the past and is continuing to do so in the present. God, after all, is the covenant God of Israel. He should hear those who call upon him and visit in judgment those opposed to him and his purposes. Yet he has done nothing. Nothing in response to the prophet's persistent appeals. Habakkuk wants to know why. It seems as if God has not heard, or if he has heard, he is paying no attention. This apparent indifference gives rise to the latter part of the question, will you not hear? Are you not listening? Have you ever felt like that in your journey with God? You have prayed and prayed, consistently prayed for something in your life something to take over in a different way. We all have concerns and anxieties and fears, and my anxieties and fears may be different than your anxieties and fears, but if they're yours, they're real to you. And so we all wrestle, if you will, with this idea of why is it that we see those who are wicked prospering around us and those who are righteous suffering? Has God forgotten the righteous people and ceased to care? Habakkuk lived during a time when vanity, lies, and injustice prevailed. For a long time he had cried out to the Lord concerning the inequity of the land, but he had received no explanation. In chapter 1 he complains, How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen, or cry out to you violence, but you do not say? He continues by pointing out to the Lord that the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked him in the righteous so that justice is perverted, verse 4. The prophet cannot understand why God has made him see wrongs and look upon trouble or as some suggest why God allows himself to behold evil. The Hebrew word translated wrongs pertains to the trouble brought about by wickedness. Habakkuk had a problem with God. And that problem hinged on the fact that as God witnessed what Habakkuk witnessed in terms of the inequities in the land, in terms of the wickedness of the people, how could he tolerate? The age-old problem of why the righteous suffer and the wicked prosper is still with us today, wouldn't you agree? In every generation, we see the problem reenacted. God, however, had an answer for Habakkuk. He is neither indifferent nor inadequate. Rather, he is on the field just when he seems most invisible. Even as he listens to Habakkuk's complaint, the Lord is raising up a nation to be a rod of chastening, In his hand. Judah has had a brief respite while the balance of power has been changing hands in international politics. But God has a plan and we must remember that in our lives. You see, when things don't seem to be happening the way we think they should happen, when the world around us seems to be beyond our understanding, when the world is wicked beyond repair, it seems like to us, We must remember that God has a plan for the world. It is evident in the scripture. God has a plan for your life too and my life. We don't understand it all the time, but we live into it each day in faith. Because he said the days of Assyria are numbered and Babylon will soon be knocking on Judah's door with one purpose in mind, conquest. You see, the Assyrians in some way had been a buffer for for Judah. They had been a buffer between Babylon and Judah and now all of a sudden Assyria's days were numbered. Habakkuk's description of the Chaldean army on the march is quite graphic. A bitter and hasty nation with no regard for human life or social values. The Babylonians arrogantly glorify their own strength and perform any acts of unspeakable cruelty necessary to accomplish their ungodly aims. And God was about to use them to teach his people a lesson. The Lord's answer, rather than helping Habakkuk, intensifies his problem. And you can see why. How can a God of holiness permit his people, even though they are disobedient, to be annihilated by a brutal and godless executioner? Judah is sinful, but for God to use the monstrous Babylonians as his agent of punishment seems inconsistent with his holiness. The second problem, like the first, is relevant to our day. Of course, atheists have no such problem. Only those who believe in God are confronted with the paradox of prosperous evildoers and suffering saints. But is there an answer? Habakkuk wanted to know. We see the prophet's perception in chapter 2. In verse 1, Habakkuk determines to wait for an answer. He intends to stand at his watch and see what the Lord will say. He drew a line in the sand. He is not disappointed. The Lord tells Habakkuk to write down the vision that will come to him so the people could read it, reminding him that its fulfillment will come in God's good time. You see, our time... Is not God's time. And so as we live and as we journey through life, we must understand that God doesn't do things on our schedule as much as we would like for him to. Well, God, I'll pencil you in each day at this time, and that's when I expect you to work in my life. And then I'm going to go to this next meeting, and I'm going to do this other thing, and then I'll get back to you. That's kind of how we work with God, but God has none of that. We are talking about the sovereign God of the universe, the one who created time, the eternal one, who knows far better than we know how to work out his plan in our individual lives and in our corporate lives. God makes it clear that he is the author of that which is to come, it is God who rouses the Chaldeans. They are an instrument in his hands. The Chaldeans are a bitter and hasty nation. The Chaldeans do not consider the consequences of their actions either to themselves or to others. They engage in one rash venture after another. Their aim is the conquest of all nations and mastery over the inhabitants and their possessions. The Chaldeans are God's instrument for bringing judgment upon the wicked. That's confusing. That's confusing to those who believe that God will treat his people differently than he treats everyone else. That was confusing for Habakkuk. These people who had evil as their intent all of their days were the ones who would teach Judah a lesson. You see, they knew God. And they had turned on him. And God had to show them that He was the one who sustained them. We must come to terms with that in our lives as well, that God is the one who has sustained us to this very moment. It is by His mercy that we are here. It is by His mercy that we have the opportunity to praise His name, to hear a word from Him. It is God who has brought us together. It is God's plan for us to understand what it means to give our lives to Jesus Christ. It is God's plan that he sent his son to die for our sins. Verses 4 through 19 depict Babylon's destruction. God has not abdicated his moral character to pagan people. Not only will sin be punished, but also sin will punish itself. God has established a world so morally constituted that history repeatedly testifies to the self-destructiveness of sin. We are not just punished for our sins. Quite often we are punished by our sins. God will use Babylon as an instrument to chasten his people, but the pagan king will think that his victory is due to his own ability. After God uses him, God will discipline him and finally destroy him. Verses 6 through 19 announce a series of woes. These were taunt songs to the ones who glorify themselves in pride and ignore the basic laws of morality. The last verse of chapter 2 is a word from God to Abacchus. The prophet must realize that God is in his holy temple working his sovereign will and the earth must trust him and keep silent. We've heard that in other places in the scripture, haven't we? Be still and know that I am God. Since God had delivered his people from their foes in former days, he would deliver them from those presently oppressing them as well as any who might turn upon them in the future. He may have felt like the poet who wrote, I know there are no errors in the great eternal plan and all things work together for the final good of man. Or another who wrote, The world will never adjust itself to suit your whims to the letter. Some things will go wrong your whole life long and the sooner you know it the better. It's folly to fight with an infant, with the infinite and go down at last in the wrestle. The wiser man shapes into God's plan like the water shapes into a vessel. God will mold us into the people that he wants us to be if we will put our faith in him. It's good to know that God has a plan, isn't it? He has a plan for you and he has a plan for me. God has a plan. A plan is a good thing to have, isn't it? We like plans. All of us like to plan to a certain degree. It's very difficult to just go out and live with no plan whatsoever. We like our plans, but the problem with our plans so many times is they're our plans and they don't take God into consideration. And we can plan and plan and plan and go somewhere and have a flat tire and that'll change your plans, won't it? That's life. That's the way it works. Habakkuk was now ready to sing praises to his great God. The last chapter of his book contains this majestic hymn. According to Habakkuk, God is alive and active even through external events seem to even though external events seem to indicate the opposite. Ultimately decency wins. Sometimes this does not happen immediately, but in due time right Always prevails. Habakkuk's brief prophecy closes with a lyrical outburst. His poem begins with vivid imagery describing the Lord's wondrous works in the world. It concludes with a portrayal of the security and soaring power of those who live in intimate fellowship with God. Of course, Habakkuk must wait for full vindication, but he will do so quietly, confident in the integrity of God's government. Kyle Yates, an Old Testament scholar, wrote, even though disaster and destruction await him, Habakkuk comes to realize that he can trust implicitly in the Lord. Did you hear that? He knew that destruction was coming. And yet by the end of his conversation with God he understood that the best thing that he could do was step in the way with the Lord. He asked the question, didn't he? We ask the questions but sometimes we don't really want the answer. We work at the racetrack, you know. Some of us go up and work and they make a donation to the church and uh, they pledge the money this year to uh, the uh, roof, the group that goes. Uh, So I go up on Friday usually and help them drive the bus over and, uh, and meet with people and see people and all the things you do there. And there were some new workers there, not with us, but workers who were hired to be the caterers up there and just young people and one guy... Uh, came to me, and he asked, Or well, he was standing there, and he asked me a question. I think he was kind of setting me up, but the question was, I don't quite get this racing. What is this going around in a circle 400 times? You know, I, I don't quite understand what that's all about. I said, well, the first thing I said to him, which him back was, I said, well, you're talking to the wrong man because I don't quite understand it either. I said, now I get the engineering behind it, you know, and how important it is to set your car up for each track and how that's different and how that works. And there are people that really enjoy all that and the pit stops and all the things that go with it. But um, I said, I don't quite understand it either. And I didn't tell him what I was thinking of mine. I said, my ADHD won't let me sit here for four hours and watch cars go around in a circle. It just doesn't work that way. i got to have something to do. But it was so interesting. When something became familiar to him, their whole, there were three of them standing Their whole demeanor changed. I said, now, I'm not going to sit out at a race when it's 95 degrees. But I said, if it was a football game, I'd be right there. And they went, oh, yeah, yeah, we'd be right there for football. But what does that get back to, right? It's all about what you like. What matters to you? What's important? And see, that's the problem so many times in our walk with the Lord. It's all about what we want, what we like, not what the Lord can do through us. Habakkuk wanted it his way. He wanted God to punish the wicked, but he wanted him to do it on his terms. God said it doesn't work that way. I have a plan. And my plan will be carried out. What is Habakkuk's message for us? We should believe our beliefs and doubt our doubts. Never making a skeptic's mistake of believing our doubts but doubting our beliefs. Habakkuk's faith was fortified and his insight was purified when he was willing to wait for God's answer to him. God honors and rewards anyone who sincerely seeks the truth. He will not leave such a person hopeless and with unanswered questions. Individuals who have access to true spiritual power are not those who have never had a doubt. Rather, they are those who have examined their hearts honestly and faced their doubts candidly, emerging victorious with a tender spirit and complete confidence. Such people are able to cleave ever to the sunnier side of doubt and cling to fate beyond the forms of faith. Throughout the centuries, affirmations of faith such as Habakkuk's have been made by God's people and have contributed to their sense of purpose. Singing praises of the Lord's past accomplishments gives his followers renewed assurance as they thread their way through a perilous world. They are reminded that the righteous shall live by faith. God was their strength in ages past. He will be their salvation in the ages to come. And he said it best for us in chapter 3 beginning at verse 17. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, or the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. That's faith. That's faith. That shows the way Habakkuk's experience tells us that we should not deny or hide our doubts. Far less should we be ashamed of them. It will take eternity to understand infinity. But we can use our doubts and rise on them to higher concepts of God than we ever believed possible. Doubt yourself. But don't doubt God. Because God saved you. When I don't understand when Paul says, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Does that make sense to you? He did it because his love trumps everything that we could ever do. And He gives us every opportunity through our faith to call Him Redeemer. Shall we pray? Oh, Lord, we are grateful for your servant, Habakkuk. For truly, his doubts are our doubts. His fears are our fears. But it's wonderful to know that you have a plan. Help us, Father, to have faith in you so that we might follow that plan, each day. The wicked are all around us in various forms and ways. And yet we know you have a plan. Help us to find comfort in that, in knowing you, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Our hymn of commitment and invitation is Higher Ground, hymn number 484. As we walk with the Lord, we walk to higher ground. Surely we do, because He shows us the way when we follow Him. Will you stand as we sing? always a joy to be together in the house of the Lord. I want to share with you that we're about ready to begin our roof project. We have the funds in hand to do that. uh, It's been coming in gradually, but it's here, okay? So we haven't signed the contract yet. The contract is with the architect, should be signed this week, which means we're slated to begin the project in October, okay? They're saying four weeks. I don't know, you know that contractor's promises sometimes, but uh, whatever. But from October until when well, it's complete, it will certainly change the way we do things a little bit around here. Uh, we won't have our Wednesday night meals. That doesn't mean we won't have Wednesday night activities during that period of time. Um, we also will have to move the first service into, this, uh, into the sanctuary for that period of time. So there will be some inconveniences. And I've said all along, and I will write these words down, trust me, it's a short-term inconvenience for a long-term solution, okay? And I know we all understand that. So uh, we will be patient and work our way through this uh, process, and I'm grateful for all those that have brought us to this point and for your uh, commitment. And we'll talk more about those things. I just wanted to kind of give you an update. And the reason I'm giving you the update is I won't be here the next two Sundays. And I wanted to make sure you knew that um, before I left. Uh, I will be around during the week, okay? But I will not be here next Sunday because of something that I want to do. Uh, uh, I have a vacation Sunday, so I'm going to take it. And then the following Sunday, it's not that I don't want to do what I have to do the following Sunday. I will be at a... 125th anniversary for Madison Heights Baptist Church, the church I pastored for 16 years before I came here. I would like to say I was flattered that they asked me to come back and be the speaker, but I'm the only former pastor they have that's living. And um, (laughs) so... It kind of fell to me to do that. Uh, It's quite remarkable. Of that 125 years, the pastor that was there before me was there 32 years. I was there 16 years. So 48 years of that 125 ministry were two pastors, okay? He passed away, uh, uh, it'll be two Octobers, I think, two years ago next month. And so, uh, anyway, that's where I'll be. But I'll be around during the week. You just won't see me on Sunday. Your speaker next Sunday will be John Hayer. For both services. The following Sunday, because I didn't know that John would still be with us, or right, I had him do both Sundays, it will be John Upton. And many of you know John Upton. John lived in the Alpha House um, many um, years ago, but he's the executive director of uh, Virginia Baptist, the Baptist General Association of Virginia, and he'll be speaking in both services uh, that Sunday. So that will take you to where you need to be. Now, that was not permission to stay away because the preacher's not here, okay? Uh, I have been reluctant in the past to tell. When I'm going away because of that, but I know you will come and support them. Probably rather hear John and me anyway. So, uh, anyway, you all have a, um, a good time with him and with John. And like I said, I'll be around during the week. We do have a missionary in the Alpha House. John mentioned that, Jay. And he will be here, I know, for the evening service. I'm not sure for the morning, but we still have our morning time on Wednesday, is what I mean, on Wednesday. He is a missionary, he can tell us more than he can write. Because he is one of those protected missionaries. And that's why when you saw in the newsletter, there were no last names. Okay. So uh, uh, anyway, just keep that. Keep him in your prayers. But he will come and be speaking to us on Wednesday evening for sure. So I hope you'll come out and support him. They're only there until the end of October. So uh, that's why I ask him, tell me when you can come. We'd like to hear from you. So he's coming. I think that brings you up to date on everything I need to tell you. And again, it is so good to see you every Sunday. If it weren't for you, there'd be no one for me to talk to. So I'm glad that you're here. Let's bow for a benediction.